Greetings and welcome to all listeners to the Cricket's Lounge podcast. This is SP, your usual host, and I would like to thank everyone who has been downloading and listening to all the old episodes of the past six weeks while we were on a hiatus. Now, much has happened in the cricket world during this time, and I doubt we'll have much time to focus on all of the events. Uh, therefore, today we will touch upon some of the salient ones, such as the series wins by Sri Lanka and Pakistan women's team over the uh, English and the South African teams, respectively. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about heat streaks passing away and mostly focus on India and Pakistan, not just in the recent Asia Cup, but their squads for the upcoming uh, World Cup as well. And uh, to discuss all of these things with me, I am joined by Sandeep, my usual co-host and friend. And we have a debutant named uh, Hamza today. So without further ado, let's get cracking. And welcome both Sandeep and Hamza to the show. So welcome Sandeep and welcome Hamza. Uh, congratulations on making your debut at the Cricket Slouch. Thank you so much. I'm honored. <laughs> now, Sandeep and I, we've been doing this for about, what is it, almost a year and a half now, isn't it? Because we started April last year. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's always nice for us to get new people and, uh, you know, somebody with a different perspective or different team loyalty or different set of opinions uh, on, on mm -hmm. the show. And uh, while I was away last month, Sandeep suggested your name. And I said, yeah, we'll definitely get uh, Hamza on. Uh, just let me mm -hmm. get back to base. So thank you for coming along. Do you want right. to give us a little bit of a background about, you know, your involvement with cricket, like how long you've been following it and do, are you a fan yeah. of a particular team or a particular player or does your loyalty lie with the sport? Yes. So, yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm from Pakistan. I'm from Rawalpindi, Pakistan. So uh, I started watching cricket at the age of five, five, six. That's what I remember. First time, uh, first thing that I remember, you know, obviously I started watching it on TV, but I remember first match that I watched, and I used to go to all the, you know, Pakistan matches when international teams toured, um, because, you know, my, my dad, can, can yeah, you hear me? Yes, welcome back. Thank you so much. So, uh, yeah, I've joined now with laptop and I'm hoping that you guys can hear me properly. It's a lot no, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Yes, so you were telling us about uh, growing up in Rawalpindi where, uh, you know, the pitch is much better than the roads. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Actually, well, 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 that has changed recently. Um, you know, back in the days, it used, it didn't used to be like this. I think uh, Rawalpindi pitch is known to be pretty supportive for everyone until it, it was like this until like two, three years ago when, you know, suddenly I don't know what, why we changed that. But yeah, so I grew up in Alpindi uh, and I started watching at a very uh, cricket at a very young age, five, six. I remember first time I think I watched a match in a stadium was when I was five. And I remember clearly that uh, Sri Lanka was visiting Pakistan. And then how I, um, and then I, whenever there was a match in Alpindi, I used to attend. So the arrangement was like, because my, my dad was working as a hospital pharmacist in a government hospital. And, uh, you know, uh, first aid team used to go from the hospital, uh, which used to sit just besides the, you know, visitors dressing room. And I used always went with them somehow. 
and used to enjoy sitting with them so i've you know i remember and that obviously increases your interest as well once you see all these players and meet them and take pictures this and that you know and then i i don't remember missing any uh, match that took place in pindi until the age of like 23 20 2003 2004 so so i was 56 in 95 96 till the age of uh, uh, i think 14 13 14 I mean, until you know we used to have regular teams there i i used to go to all the matches so yeah and then uh, over the period of time i've i've um, you know uh, supported pakistan obviously but i am uh, there've been times when pakistan hasn't been great uh, i still have supported them uh, but you know now it's been it's very nice to see them performing back well again after a while because i think for last 7 8 years um, until last year our odi team wasn't great there was a time when our uh, test team got better under mispa even then our odi team one day team wasn't great so yeah um now i'm uh, you know waiting for the world cup and going to see how things go thank you for that introduction and giving us a little bit of a background um don't tell me you have started supporting england now given that you have not not, not yet <laughs> not yet oh my god that that is ominous <laughs> no so i support england whenever pakistan isn't playing because i think they are a good team as well but i um, it's not a very you know popular opinion but i don't fancy their chances in in this world cup to go well that that depends i think i uh, look it's 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 difficult to say who's got the better chances over here and i mm-hmm. think we might do a little bit of a world cup preview at some mm-hmm. stage maybe in a week or two weeks time but we we'll definitely do that uh i might side with you on this one that i don't think england has the best chances in this world cup even though they're probably the most attacking team i think there are issues with their balance and they probably don't have enough slow ball bowlers in their squad i mean you've got moin and rashid but uh, mm-hmm. again we don't know how much in form they are mm-hmm. um and they're going to stand, miss uh, archers well i must yes yeah 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 and i think as things stand looks like australia is back on the resurgence in white ball cricket and god knows what they have been doing behind the scenes but they have actually come up with a side uh, as in a squad that's actually tailored for the 50 over game the only mm-hmm. omission for me would be manus not being in the side but then again you know you have to balance your attacking batters with your anchor sort of roles mm. then with your all-rounders and i think if you have someone like steve smith in the side you can't really afford to have smith and labushain in the same playing 11 yeah but uh, labushain has got luck on his side you know so he came as a <laughs> concussion substitute he said he told his mom that uh, he's not playing but mom had this uh, side premonition yeah yeah premonition yeah Um, and then he played a match winning knock and then he followed that by a century as well i know so, and, and not only yeah. his century but uh, david warner hit a century as well yeah 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 so i wonder if david warner mother had a premonition <laughs> you know anyway so look let's uh, keep that on the side because i think we will discuss this a little bit in brief just like later on um i think the main thing that i wanted to talk today was basically india and pakistan 
chances, <laughs> the rivalry uh, to a certain extent in recent times, and the shambles that our respective boards are. But before that, I just wanted to so sort of pay tribute to Heath Streak, who sadly yeah. passed away last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a servant for the game he was, um, not not just cricket in general, but, you know, even Zimbabwe cricket, probably one of Zimbabwe's top five cricketers of all time as things stand at the moment. And we know mm-hmm. that later on his career was a little bit blotched by the allegations of match fixing and things like that. But I think that's uh, a different issue altogether. I don't think, you know, we need to drag somebody's name in the mud just because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Heath Streak has been a great servant for Zimbabwe cricket, hasn't he? Uh, I mean, if you look at the number of wickets, he has got uh, in excess of 200 uh, wickets for Zimbabwe and the second highest is less than 100. So that tells you how how much uh, far ahead he was uh, at the time. Uh, and he he also became captain at a very difficult time for Zimbabwe, isn't it? Well, when... Mm-hmm. Uh, people like Andy Flower and others left the country and he took over the captaincy and uh, and he, he he carried a big burden on his shoulders at the time and he did quite well. Uh, he, he even improved his batting towards the latter end of his uh, career. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, great, and, and great servant for Zimbabwe and uh, uh, sad loss, really. He was only 49 years old when, when he died. Uh, of this aggressive cancer. Yeah, yeah, indeed a great loss. Uh, I think he stands out as an uh, as an all-round Zimbabwean all-rounder. I don't remember anyone else apart from I think Neil Johnson maybe is another one. And he, along with the you know Flower Brothers, was someone who took them to great heights in you know late nineties and early two thousands when they were a decent, very decent team. Who could challenge anyone? I remember them beating a beating Pakistan in tests in a test series. So yeah, Heath Street, um, and then then as 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 you just mentioned that he took it took captaincy at a very difficult time, and then uh, with that sort of political environment, he must have been hard. So yeah, great servant of the game. It's a sad loss. It is hard when you lose players of his caliber at that young age. Yeah. And uh, so moving on from that, the other two notable events that have happened in the last uh, couple of weeks. Firstly, I would say is Pakistan women's team beating South Africa in Pakistan. Now, even though that wasn't, you know, full strength South Africa team, especially with the retirements of uh, Shabnam Ismail and maybe even uh, Lizelle Lee, you know, it it wasn't... A very weak South African team. I mean, they still had Laura Fulfart, they still had Sunni Luce, they still had most of their other regulars. But, you know, the Pakistan women's team has been a very unfancied team for a long time. And for them to actually beat South Africa 3-0 in a one-day series, that, that is remarkable. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, I was just going to say that the good thing about the series win was that if if you look at the um, matches, it, w- it was a team effort. So basically, it, um, you know, even in batting, uh, uh, everyone chipped in. It, it wasn't that it was, there was only like individual brilliance which got them over the line. So it was uh, a team effort from balling and batting point of view. Bisma Maruf, I think, scored in each and every game. 
uh, Alia Riaz finished off two games. So yeah, uh, I think T20 is something that Pakistan can improve um, a lot in Pakistan women's team still. But uh, this must have given them quite, you know, decent amount of confidence because, uh, as you just mentioned, South African women's team wasn't, you know, pretty decent players were playing in 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 those games. Yeah, I mean, quite close matches, isn't it? They won by seven runs and six runs and five wickets. So uh, some of these matches probably Pakistan would have lost in the past. Uh, but I mean, this was very impressive of them to win three uh, zero. Uh, remember that South Africa were actually the uh, runners up in the World Cup T Twenty yeah. just, uh, just a few months ago. So, uh, considering all that, I think uh, this is a very impressive win. Uh, although they lost the ODI yesterday, they were thrashed yesterday in the ODI match. Mm-hmm. Um, which, but uh, that's what happens, isn't it? But the longer these. Uh, longer versions of the match, the better teams always uh, do well. T uh, Twenty is a great leveler, and uh, 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 and uh, the smaller teams have better chances in the shorter format. So, yeah, but but it's good progress. Uh, so I think uh, it stands. Uh, I mean, future of Pakistan women's cricket is in good hands. I would say. Yeah. Not just Pakistan women's cricket, but generally women's cricket overall is seeing a huge surge in performances. And, uh, you know, before I comment on the other ones, just wanted to make a point that what's even remarkable for this particular victory is that Mark Coles had left, I think, before this series, who's been their coach for a long time. And, And basically the fact that you know, South Africa have more resources at their disposal. They've got better, better training facilities, better support staff, and, uh, you know, health, fitness, nutrition, all, all of these things compared to what the Pakistan team does. So I yeah. think uh, th- those two points make this victory even just remarkable. So moving on, uh, the other notable victory was uh, Sri Lanka women versus uh, England women. Yes, I mean that was even more impressive. I would say because it was uh, it was in England uh, that they won two one. Uh, I mean, again, all the all the factors that you mentioned uh, for South Africa that they got better training facilities, better funding, better uh, um, better coaching staff, etc. It applies here as well. I mean, Sri Lanka. Uh, I mean, to, to be fair to Sri Lanka, they've been making reasonably good progress recently. They have uh, they won a match against South Africa in the World Cup, and uh, uh, they've had wins over Bangladesh. Uh, but uh, to do beat England in England uh, is something uh, quite remarkable. Um, I mean, they, they still rely heavily on uh, Chamri Atapattu, who is, of course, world class, as we know. Uh, uh, big star, but again, I think there are some other good, uh, good players coming up as well, like uh, you know Kar- Ranavira and Kavisha Dilari. All these are good, uh, good bowlers. And great result for the game. Yeah, and then they promptly lost the first One Day International after that. <laughs> and again, you know, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, the weaker teams get found out the longer the format is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I'm fairly hopeful and optimistic that the results from the T20 series might actually inject a fresh sense of enthusiasm for uh, you know more players to come through the ranks eventually and yeah. 
you know, it is it is a shame that a player of the caliber of Chamari Atapattu, you know, isn't as widely recognized as a great player of the sport as, you know, perhaps somebody like uh, Mithali Raj or Harmanpreet Kaur or Elise Perry or Charlotte Edwards would be counted as. Exactly. I think Shefali Verma is more famous than Ch- Chabri. <laughs> yeah, Shefali Verma has, yeah, she needs, she, she's still got a long way to go to prove herself exactly. to be great. Yeah. Yeah, ma'am. <laughs> All right. So the main uh, main topic of discussion, um, India-Pakistan rivalry in the Asia Cup. Yeah. yeah, the first match was, was it along predictable lines for you guys? Let Hamza speak. Yeah. Okay. So, I, you know, going into that match, I thought Pakistan had few questions to answer, which I think they still have to answer. Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure about uh, you know whether Salman Aga would be playing. I don't know um, if you've seen him before or not. But before that match, I think he'd been getting out on uh, reverse sweeps and, uh, and not sort of capitalizing on his starts. And then uh, at the time, obviously, or um, eleven wasn't sure, and people were commenting on that, and they were thinking whether they'd include. So Saud Shaquille in the middle order because before the match it was all all the talk was about Pakistan's uh, weak middle order uh, and so they went now we obviously know that they want to give uh, Fakhar the confidence and they want to go with him and then they want to place Salman Agha as well because he uh, gives them the bowling edge uh, with regards to bowling I I was sure that they they were going to go with that liner uh, and I obviously. You know, before you go, um, it's 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 about the you know where the match is being played as well. As the matches were being in, played in uh, Sri Lanka, we had played Afghanistan just recently, and pitches were sort of low. Uh, and then there was assistance for seam bowlers, so I I, I was sure that they'd go with three seamers um, and two spinners, and then obviously uh, Iftikhar can ball as well. Uh, I. Didn't expect India to score 260. I thought even if it's a decent pitch, they would score around 300. I, to be honest, I was uh, I, I thought India would be better prepared for, for for Shaheen at least. But I think they were they seemed a bit undercooked. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether they've had a lot of batting practice recently or not. They had a camp in Bangalore that I heard, um, but it would have been an interesting match. Uh, had it completed, uh, you know, I would have still thought that it would be it would have been sixty forty Pakistan if we were if going to chase it because, you know, from what I've seen so far with with this batting lineup is that whenever we have to chase something around two fifty to two seventy, they they seem more confident because you've got people like Imam who are. Uh, who played the anchor role and then Baba takes some time as well. Um, so I think 270 Pakistan would have fancied their chances. But had the target been 300 odd, it would have been difficult. Now, coming back on the balling, I think they balled pretty well. There were some, I mean, there were some issues with the Pakistan relying too much on uh, spinners in the middle overs and not going for the kill. And there were some captaincy related issues as well. But I think. 
you got to understand that from the captaincy point of view that you know he would have wanted to give enough breaks to his bowlers as well because he was obviously at the time playing with three fast bowlers uh, i still think that he could have uh, baba could have kept one end going on with fast bowlers and instead of playing bringing one spring from both on both ends and because that gave the time to both the batters to settle in but having said that they played really well hardik and uh, ishan kishan played really well they they counter attacked and then that's where he panicked as well but then when the fast bowler bowlers came back uh, they took the wickets so it would have been really interesting um, i still believe indian batting lineup is capable of handling shahin although rohit may struggle he's changed his approach as well uh, he's he's trying to his stance is 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 slightly different he's trying to sort of avoid that yorker and you know with the bat but when he, when he tries to do this uh, thing with shahin is that he take you know with his angle ball leaves the batter but then he can bring the ball back in which makes it hard which obviously once you're trying to avoid lbw then you leave the gap between bat and ball and if the ball nips back in then it's it's trouble but i think other better i still think shaheen would would trouble uh, rohit it will be playing on his mind even today as well but i think uh, kohli and gill uh, with with their batting ability and you know how technically sound they are i think they still can dominate even this bowling lineup so yeah interesting times ahead we've got at least two matches uh, so yeah we'll see i like that uh, joke that you made about uh, you know the indian team preparing and practicing to handle the likes of shaheen <laughs> and the other bowlers that was really good i mean i haven't heard a good joke in a while so uh, i don't know how much you follow indian cricket but you know preparation practicing anticipation are not traits we usually associate with indian cricket um you know things just go on right it's all about talent mm. and it's all about bhai chara and you know who fits the <laughs> team and nowadays basically you know who's got the better tattoos and uh, <laughs> you know, who can yeah. so stuff like that anyway there's one thing that i still can't get my head uh, around why didn't sky play i mean uh, i know he's 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 got this brilliant record in t20s and uh, he failed against australia and india but i think he i would still play him over uh, shreya sayer any day right. it's a bit difficult look i think uh, i'll let sandeep answer that question and then i'll pitch in later on yeah okay well i mean let me first focus on this match first i mean it was uh, appalling start from india really i mean there there were a lot of rain interruptions i agree to start off with but still they should have batted better than they did uh, i think personally i think rohit and kohli both of them they struggle against quality bowling now uh, i mean shine of rohit is too good a bowler and i think both of them uh they, they they do well against mediocre bowlers but i think uh, when when it comes to quality bowling uh, they they get found out quite often so i mean i've been quite critical of both rohit and uh, kohli in recent times um and i continue <laughs> to say the same about them um but i mean they they will be in the team they are two big uh, stars to be dropped so they 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 are they're not going to be dropped so we will have to 
play with them. Uh, but this is going to be the trouble going forward because they, I think they're, <laughs> I mean, they've declined. Let's accept it. Uh, let, let's just uh, put it, they've declined. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, Gil, of course, is having a very tough time. He has not been uh, among the runs recently. I mean, he did get a good knock against Nepal, but at least Gil is a youngster and we can invest him. And uh, he, he, we know that he is capable of uh, uh, good scores. Uh, so I, I expect him to come good at some point. Uh, but it, I mean, the the start uh, was quite terrible, and then Ayer, uh, I mean, Shreyas Ayer, I'm not sure how fit he is. He has just come back from a uh, long gap, um, so we don't know either his fitness or form. Uh, and he, I mean, he got out to a very atrocious shot. He hit a long hop uh, straight to midwicket and uh, and threw away his wicket basically. Uh, then Ishan Kishan and Pandya did quite well, uh, but I think they were also helped by some very poor bowling by Shadab Khan and uh, Nawaz in the middle overs. Mm. I don't think they bowled really well. Uh, uh, so they did, they did put up a good partnership uh, and uh, and uh, got us to a decent enough score. And towards the end, again, Shaheen and uh, 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 Harris Rauf and Nasim Shah came and uh, finished off the tail. Uh, so 266 was never going to be a winning score. I know, Hamza, you said 60-40 for Pakistan, but I think it was really going to be uh, a Pakistan victory if the match had happened. Uh, because, I mean, we know that, as you said, they're quite good at chasing 260-270 uh, or they've got uh, people uh, who can drop anchor and uh, milk out the runs as needed. So I think they would have uh, easily won. That's my take on it. But uh, with regard to Sky and Ayer, I am I'm not sure really. I mean, uh, yeah, you you say that Sky uh, has played all these T20 knocks, which I agree. I completely agree. He's a uh, he's probably the best batter in the T20 format. Uh, it has not been replicated in ODI uh, in the few chances that he has had. And uh, I mean, he himself admitted that uh, he has not uh, been good enough in ODI, but he, he wants to uh, make a good mark in it, uh, which uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, how many more chances uh, should be given to uh, Sky just because he's Sky? Uh, can we not just accept that he's a T20 specialist and uh, play him in that format? Um, Ayer has an excellent record in ODI. I mean, I was uh, looking at a tweet somewhere recently where uh, it said uh, at number four, person with the highest average and highest strike rate, he's the he's number three on the list. The other two being uh, Viv Richards and uh, A.B. de Villiers. So uh, he's the third person on that list. So that tells something about his uh, caliber. Uh, but I mean, uh, the other thing is he's been off for a while. So I expect his form to uh, uh, gradually. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my take on him. <laughs> Right. So, going back to that uh, point about uh, Surya Kumar Yadav versus Shreyas Iyer, I think Shreyas Iyer is an overall more uh, complete batsman, uh, both in terms of technique, temperament, and I think he has proved on many occasions that he has what it takes to do well in the one-day game. Surya Kumar Yadav is a freak, pretty much like uh, A.B. de Villiers. And he, he, he I, I don't think there's many players like him, not just at the moment, but I doubt we'll ever get anyone who is up to that standard. 
Now, his strength is basically creating runs within a short space of time, which is very successful at doing in T20 cricket. One day cricket is a completely different beast altogether where, you know, you have to sort of match up longevity with uh, compiling runs. So you, you don't necessarily go all out in a blistering attack, but you kind of accumulate those runs you know, perhaps you're batting at uh, a strike rate of run of ball or maybe just over run of ball. But your main remit is to last as many deliveries as you can. And I think that this is where it has been his undoing. Now, when India selected him for the one-day series against Australia, I suspect it was with a view to have him in the ODI squad for the World Cup next year. But unfortunately, he had those uh, three ducks in a row, and then he was just uh, sidelined. You know, the general gist of it is you can use somebody like Sky in short bursts, especially towards the last 10, 15 overs of the innings. You still need batsmen who can take you to that point. Now, I know... India's performance against Pakistan in this recent game is not an indicator of how they're going to play every single match. But on the off chance that India do lose the first three wickets within the first 15 overs, getting Sky at number five is not going to help your cause because he's not the sort of person who can take you from over number 16 to over number 40. That That is not his forte. So, you know, you probably better off with somebody like Shreyas Ayer who can hold that innings together, anchor it, increase the slowing, scoring rate and tempo gradually as the innings goes by. And then you've got your last 10 to 12 overs for somebody like Sky or Hatik Pandya or Jareja to come in and have their impact. So that, that's where I sit on that. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I agree with all of that. Uh, IR is definitely the better uh, uh, number four batter for us uh, going forward uh, in the ODI format, definitely. So I think we could, we should stick with that uh, in, in the World Cup as well. I mean, Sky is somebody who you can use occasionally if you want, but I don't think he should be uh, part of the ODI setup. Uh, he's better off just as a T20 specialist. I mean, you could have Sky in the one-day setup, but then you'll need your top four who are absolute guns. And you know that they can definitely get you to that 40 over mark where then the likes of Sky can come in and just blitz away. But I think as we have seen in recent series, both T20 and one day, India is not very assured of their top three or top four. They know that they are always very close to a top-order batting collapse, which is why they're trying to pack as many batting and bowling all-rounders as they can into the squad, You know, which yeah. is why India have selected uh, Shardul Thakur and Akshar Patel in the World Cup squad. Now, if you look at it, Shardul Thakur is not a better player than Hardik Pandya, whether it is batting or bowling. And I don't think India can afford to have two of the same type in a squad. Likewise with Jareja and Akshar Patel, right? I mean, you might be better off having Yuzi Chahel. Now, assuming that the pitches for the World Cup are similar to what we normally see during a typical Indian bilateral series, there will be some purchase for spinners in that. And ideally, you would want maybe two frontline seamers, two spinners, 
And then you have two part-time bowlers, one of which could be a seam bowler and one of which could be a spinner. So you have your seam bowling chap in Hardik Pandya. And say, for example, if he has an off day, then you might want a uh, bowling uh, option. And that could have been Jadeja as your fifth bowler. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's in it's not just in T20 or ODI. Even in tests, we take uh, people like Thakur and uh, Akshar just because we are not confident about our uh, top order, isn't it? So, I mean, part of me thinks, why why do we persist with this top order? But that's another debate altogether. So, why not move on from this top order and, and get somebody else? <laughs> See, the issue that I have with that is, you know, the preparation, forget the Asia Cup, but the preparation for the World Cup should have started at least a year, year and a half ago, and they should have identified their core 17 to 20 players and given them chances in rotation, right? So having Sky selected for the Australia and the West Indies one day series was probably a good move along those lines. Now, you knew that Shreyas Ayer was um, injured and KL Rahul was injured. My, my question is, how do both of them get to come back into the playing 11 just because they are fit? Mm. Do, do you not want to test out their form? Absolutely. I mean, there has been no, that's one of my issues, really. I mean, there has been nothing to say they're either match fit or they're in any kind of form and they're straight back into the um, uh, World Cup squad, uh, both Ayer and uh, Rahul. Uh, Even Bumrah, we are not sure how fit he is. I mean, he did play that series in Ireland, but that's about it. He has not played anything since. I mean, he has not, he didn't get to bowl against Pakistan. And then didn't he went home in the match against Nepal? So, uh, so we, I mean, Bumrah is a big name, but uh, we, we we need people who are fit, not just uh, big names. So, uh, so I think we are very very unprepared. I mean, even in that series against West Indies, if you remember, I mean, this is two three months before the World Cup, and you're still experimenting with your lineup. I mean, you should know what your lineup is going to be. Uh, in that, but uh, by then, and uh, I mean they, they they didn't play Rohit and Kohli in that. Uh, if they are going to play in the World Cup, why 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 can't they play in the uh, uh, series versus the West Indies? Uh, and they lost the match there as well. I mean, <laughs> let let's remind ourselves that this is West Indies. That is an all time low, uh, having not even qualified for the World Cup, and uh, we lost the match against them. Uh, and no disrespect to them, but I mean, you should be winning these matches uh, two months before the World Cup. So yeah, I mean, th- that's my point too. Like, if it's a non-World Cup year, yeah, do whatever experiment you want to do. But in a World Cup yeah. year, you need to know exactly who your core set of players are, and you need to get them as much match practice as you can, isn't it? Now, say yeah. for example, with Ishan Kishan performing the way he has done in uh, the recent games. Does this mean that he gets dropped and KL Rahul automatically walks in into that number five position and also plays as a wicket keeper? Well, but that, that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, Rahul, we don't know how fit is, and you expect him to wicket keep as well for 50 overs. <laughs> how is that going to work? I mean, is, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, that should exactly. Happen. And so close to work. Like, it's not like the World Cup is three, four months away. It's only next month. So yeah. you know, these guys should have sorted this out. Um, Hamza, what's uh, your your take yeah. on this? Yes, I was going to say the same. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm. I was going to ask the same question. So, what happens now when K- KL Rahul is fit? 
was he going to come back straight into the 11 because that's what they have been doing before but i think now they've i think they will still go with kishan but with regards to overall squad there are a few things that i don't understand uh, as you and then you've rightly pointed them out it seems as if they they make an 11 and then they try to see that you know what if he gets unfit or what if we need another person of the same sort of uh, specialties how are we going to add other four so for, for example i don't understand how hardik and shadul are in the 15 the same time uh, Uh, and the same, and then not only that they, they they went on to play as well in the 11 as well and then uh, jadeja and uh, uh, akshar patel if one of them is going to play why not keep black um, spinner instead uh, you know like uh, chahal so there are few things that i don't really i, I didn't really understand when the 15 was announced i thought that uh, you know he would be there uh, chahal would be there because in black spinner especially you know late overs it's a wicket taking option and there are not many quality leg spinners around so leg spinning leg spin is always a you know wicket taking option but i still remember the 1996 game uh, australia west indies semi final in which Shane Warne turned the match around in couple of overs so yeah. i, 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 he, he I got four in that game Yeah, 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 and then again in the and I think next semi-final as well. Yeah, ninety-nine as well. He got four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Herschel Gibbs. I remember clearly that you know he just got bowled playing across the line. So I, I don't. I, I, I. These are the things that are beyond me. Why did he not make the fifteen? And then Akshar, when he's not going to be in the eleven, what's the point of keeping him in the fifteen? I don't. I, I mean, uh, and, and then again. Uh, um shadul thakur is he i mean they 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 tend to call him boy with a golden arm but is he that good in odias i'm i'm not very confident uh, t20s maybe yeah i don't know see there is this thing about shadul he he's a fighter and you know i respect him for that and you know he's quite determined he gives his best now it's not his fault that he's not a really good bowler and he gets tonked for runs no matter you know which format he's playing but for some weird reason he does manage to get those wickets you know a bit like how ben stokes manages to get those wickets off balls that are not really you know anything great to brag about but i think there is an element of the opposition underestimating shardul's bowling and i suppose that is why you know he gets those wickets and when it comes to batting you know he's good enough for a quick fire or a cameo 30 35 40 runs he's got two test match 50s as well and uh, you know he is that utility player but when you look at what role he will play in the team you can't re- you can't really justify having both hardik pandya and shardul in the same playing 11 because they fit the same role and then you've got jadeja and akshar who fit the same role you know they bowl similarly they've got they're, they're similar left-handed batters as well uh, jareja is absolute gun fielder akshar patel is not bad in the field either and what it then means is if you then have the likes of bumrah shami and siraj those are your five bowlers done where do you then play the likes of kuldeep and ashwin and arguably in uh, ashwin is india's best spinner at the moment and for me i'm a bit old school but 
you know, when you're taking a squad, you probably leave one space for your bits and pieces player. You need four proper bowlers, at least, and you need at least five proper batsmen. And then you fit the 10th and the 11th pieces around that, or possibly even just the 11th, because the 10th one will be your keeper. I, I just want to point out one thing. You mentioned Bumrah, Shami and Siraj. From what we are seeing so far, two of them are going to be playing if they're going to be going with the same 11. So one has to miss out and Bumrah is going to play. So it'll either be Shami or Siraj because they are going with uh, two two out of these three. Then Hardik, Shadul, Jadeja. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even so, then, even if you take those two seamers, so let's say you take the two seamers, you take Hardik, you take Shardul, right? And then you take Jadeja and Akshar. That's six people. Then you have got your uh, keeper, which is seven. And then you've got your four batters. That still doesn't leave any room for players like Kuldeep and Ashwin. Ash- Ashwin is not even in the squad, is he? Not this one, but he's in the World Cup squad. Yeah, yeah. No, he isn't. He's in the World Cup. I'm no. not fairly certain. No, no, really? no. Now that is shocking. Like if you mm. can't have your best spinner in a World Cup squad, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I was going to say the same actually. They took him to T20 World Cup, but not to ODI World yeah. Cup, yeah. saying that he's a test player, which I don't yeah. understand. And, and they didn't play him in the Test Championship final either. <laughs> no, they didn't. And see the argument for excluding. Uh, what's his name chahal and i suppose is the same thing with ashwin is that their batting isn't good enough but then you know they're not in the team to score you the runs they're in the team to contribute towards the team total yes but their main job is taking wickets and you know shardul is not a better bowler than ashwin shardul is not going to get you more wickets at a cheaper economy than say kuldeep no exactly i mean i actually is not a bad batter either i mean he can get some a few runs down the order so i don't know i it's baffling that they have dropped ashwin for this world cup um yeah i know and i suppose for a change hamza might be thinking i'm glad pakistan is not having such problems in this election <laughs> well yeah. they've got a they've got a they've got a set, relatively settled unit i must say but they are they which is are, unusual isn't it it's the most yeah, unpakistani thing to do thing to do true and i agree but the good thing has been that uh, they've stayed with babar and then he's been clear in making these decisions as well i don't know whether you follow uh, you know these guys uh, the islamabad united guys um, one of them hasan chima is an analyst and uh, um, other one rehan alak is the yeah is i know hasan chima benja now Yeah. Mm. So, so they they you know I think they have contributed in that as well to to have a plan when they are like really on it. So I'm I'm glad that they've stuck with Baba and he had this you know core team in mind that he started playing since last you know August when they went to Netherlands and that, it's it's been more or less the same team that's been playing so far. Um obviously with one or two inclusions and you know stuff depending upon the form. so with with the gas form they have a few questions to answer as well obviously they are, i think um, they they are yet to announce the 15 member squad but i think it will be the same as uh, asia cup because it's too now i think it's too late for them to make any changes 
the question the people were asking before was uh, you know fakhar is not doing this his, his form hasn't been great he scored two centuries in against series um, against new zealand in home series but since then form has dipped down a bit so i don't think they're going to drop him i think the most you know that can happen is perhaps they might ask rizwan to open and bring fakhar down the order two down or something um and then it's it's about you know usually 11 rather than 15 they have few questions one whether you know um, there were questions about uh, middle order uh, you know i think in, against the series uh, in afghanistan one in one match pakistan bowled them out cheaply but, but they got bowled out on um, 201 as well uh, so middle order didn't really do well and then babar scored 250s in next two matches but then the, he was helped by nawaz and salman in the last match i think but in the second match obviously he and imam um, pakistan was chasing 300 it's the match that seem sure won with the bat middle order collapsed as well and uh, but, so they were thinking about you know whether to bring in uh, saud because aga basically give so they are the question mark if if there is one in the middle order is if uh, aga salman should play or saud shakil should play uh, saud shakil gives them the stability he's a proper you know te- test match batter who can consolidate and you know milk runs aga can uh, hit as well he's sort of um, comes late down the order can play few shots around and then can contribute with the ball so i think that gives them the gap gives aga the edge that's why they've been persisting with him even despite his batting failures but and then in the third one day against afghanistan he i think made 38 not out so so he sort of redeemed himself and then <clears throat> against nepal he didn't do well against india he couldn't bat so i'm hoping that they're going to persist with him the next question that that is going to be difficult for pakistan to answer is whether or not to go with uh, you know who who is going to be their sixth bowling option uh, sorry whether to go with the four fast bowlers or three fast bowlers so three are going to be confirmed shadab is going to be there as well and then with part timers you'll have uh, aga and iftikha but this bowling option is the last bowling option is going to be something that they would worry about but i think that will depend upon where are they playing if it is if it's a batting friendly wicket they might still want to go with uh, and if there's not much turn on offer they might still want to go with fahim or wasim uh fahim thing with fahim and wasim is that wasim is i think a better bowler uh fahim although the you know his, his batting average isn't great but he he has played some good decent test knocks so that 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 makes them think that he can sort of um, you know hold innings as well if you know if you got like uh, 10 15 overs to play and he has to knock it around for like 10 5 6 overs before giving it a whack so that's why they're going to go with fahim but if uh, if it's a proper if if, if it's a you know a supportive wicket Vasim Junior can come in as well. His batting isn't great. He he's somebody who's who has uh, in PSL can whack it as well. Can you know uh, hit uh, sixes, but but his overall batting ability isn't that great. But he's a better bowler as compared to me. Uh, and then what I would have there's you know I have got one disagreement with the with the 
uh, you know selection as well and that is i would have preferred imad wasim in in front of nawaz and i'll i'll give you i'll give my reason why uh, so nawaz has got a batting average of 18 in odis but however uh, imad has batting average of 40s and he's he's a very uh, you know uh, over the last few years he's improved his batting a lot uh even in difficult conditions when he made his t20 comeback uh, in april against afghanistan he i think scored 250s in t20s he's a thing with imad is that they preferred nawaz over imad because nawaz has got decent record in odis but things have changed for imad recently i would have preferred him uh, because he's you know he's is someone that you can open bowling with as well he's open bowling in d20s quite a number of times even in uh, odis he played to 2019 odi and i, I remember it, it was uh, there was a one day in leeds i think he um, he won it with the bat and also i remember that he uh, sort of op- uh, uh, i think in the power play he started bowling as well so he gives you that option which not uh, not any other spinner gives you um, with our team having said that nawaz is in the lineup uh, i'm and i'm sure he's going to be in the 15 as well world cup 15 as well because uh, they've persisted with him so this is going to be challenging for them um, in the world cup um, but i think it'll all depend upon the conditions and if if they have spin friendly conditions then they might play him instead of fahim fahim is somebody who can hit the hard length can ball wicket to wicket but if it's a very you know if it's a belter or very batting friendly wicket he can go for quite a lot of runs and he's not someone who'd give you too many you know um, wickets as well he, he's more of a hold sort of a bowler will just try to hold the end try not to leak too many runs and you know will let others operate so that's the only thing that they are trying to see what uh, over the next few games i think uh, but rest of the lineup seems settled um, let's see how it goes yeah it's a I very think... comprehensive summary i was just going to ask you about the bowlers as well like you know the fast bowlers have come to the party but the spinners seem to be missing in action at the moment Yes, Shadab. So Shadab, you know, if I don't know if you um, watched it closely or not, he he was bowling too many uh, what do you call it uh, full tosses. So he was struggling to land it perfectly. Even I think in against Afghanistan, he did all right. He didn't. He did okay. But I think he had recently been focusing too much on his batting. So I think that needs he needs to have this balance now because he's he is. mainly in the team because of his leg spin and you know batting is an added advantage so he needs to come to the party uh, and uh, in india i think he he's going to be really crucial because middle overs are sort of make or break not not every time your top order is going to get you you know four wickets and 10 15 overs so not every time your fast bowlers are going to do it so it's the it's the middle overs that that count in odi cricket so i think he needs to uh, you know come to party and then that's going to be interesting how he plays during this asia cup uh, and then how we you know start our world cup campaign you're right because if your uh, quicks aren't going to get you all those early wickets like they have done in many games recently the emphasis then on the middle overs is not only to continue that 
pressured and to sort of get additional wickets if you can, but also to contain the scoring rate. Now, if you're going to bowl full tosses at regular intervals, the opposition batters are going to take full advantage of that. And not only will they likely milk you for five, six runs and over, but, you know, some of your overs might go for even 10 runs and over, 12 runs and over too. And then suddenly you notice that the opposition team has got the momentum going in their favor. Yes, indeed. And then, and, and then again, you know, not every time uh, your uh, fastballers are going to come back to rescue you as well, especially with Indian batting tracks and, you know, having only four fielders allowed outside the circle in the last 10 overs, you know, that's going to be, the middle overs are going to be really, really crucial. And that's what I think they are trying to work out now. They are. Go- I won't be surprised if Pakistan makes it to the finals and they've got one game um, uh, spare or even in warm-ups if they try Mohammed Winston Jr. to see how he goes in middle overs and stuff with bowling as a second change. Um, so I think that's what they're trying to sort of, sort of finalize who's going to be the second baller with Shadab to contain in the middle overs. They're trying Aga as well. Aga and uh, Iftikhar, they're giving them two, three overs each as well. But, but they want a proper baller who can tie sort of one end around even if they're not getting wickets and obviously Shadab is going to be crucial you can't just you know um, you have to get your lens right you can't just be bowling he was bowling either too short or he was bowling and then we, when he was overcompensating he was bowling full tosses so that's that's just something that they're worried about I think yeah exactly and yeah. now that uh, you know there are two white balls in one day cricket for the last quite a few number of years you know you you can't rely on your baseman to get the reverse swing going as well in the last 10 yeah, yeah. Sandeep, you're going to say something earlier yeah i mean this I, I i've been very impressed with how pakistan is prepared uh, this year for uh, i mean and they're, they're much better odi team than what they what they used to be and there has been a uh, lot of drama in the PCB, but the, that has not spilled over into the field. I mean, the Pakistan have been putting up consistent performances all year. Um, and what is more impressive is they've, uh, they've got a settled um, uh, lineup as well. Um, so they're stuck with the same uh, players. Uh, they they played New Zealand earlier this year, which they lost. And then they called New Zealand back again. Uh, when on the whole world was busy playing playing the IPL, uh, Pakistan played New Zealand and won the series four one, uh, and they stuck with the same lineup. Uh, Fakhar, Imam, Babar is one, so we know who is going to uh, be in the order. And then uh, Shadab Khan, uh, Salman, Sa- 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 uh, Aga Salman, and uh, and others. And the bowling lineup is quite fixed as well. The, the Shahin Afridi, Shahin Afridi did come. I mean, he was going through an injury problem himself, and he has come back uh, 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 quite good. Uh, and uh, Nasim Shah, I think, he has grown in stature over the last year. I must say, and also uh, Harris Rauf. So. I mean, uh, there are some issues, as you said, Hamza, about uh, uh, whether Mohammad Nawaz should play or whether it should be somebody else. And Sharad Khan has not been in great form. Uh, but I mean, when when the rest of the team is doing well, these one or two minor holes, they 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 don't get exposed as much uh, because the rest have been fantastic. I must say, um, even in this current Asia Cup, uh, it has been thoroughly clinical performance from Pakistan uh, that thrashed Nepal, uh, which was 
to be expected after they scored uh, 342 or something like that. And then uh, even against Bangladesh in the Super Force, uh, it was uh, a really uh, top-class performance from Pakistan from the bowlers who uh, reduced Bangladesh to uh, just 190-odd. And then... Um, and then the the batters played quite risk free cricket to uh, get the runs, um, and they got plenty of those uh, such batters in their uh, lineup. Uh, now Fakhar Zaman has not been uh, he has been a bit of hit and miss, but I think uh, he should he should open in India, especially if it is batting pitches. I mean he can make a huge difference if he gets going uh, at the top of the order and uh, get uh, Pakistan to. Uh, uh, to 300 plus scores if he gets going uh, but uh, there are I mean uh, Imam Babar and Rizwan they, they are very very solid batsmen but they don't uh, go as aggressive as Fakhar Saman can so I think he should stick with opening uh, during the World Cup is my opinion uh, but I mean they, they look um, I mean this is something I never say about Pakistan cricket that they are <laughs> consistent but they have been and uh, uh, and it's um, great for them. I don't know how much of, uh, I mean, they wanted Mickey Arthur to be the coach, isn't it? And Mickey Arthur is uh, somewhere in Derbyshire coaching uh, them. And it is sort of long, long arm coaching from their side, but it seems to be working. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether how whether that is the reason or <laughs> what. No, no, he's, so, he's traveling for Asia Cup and he'll be there for the World Cup as well. I think it's, okay. the, it's the main uh, British season that he'd be with Derby, but otherwise he'll be with them. Yeah. No, the other thing is that with Zaka Ashraf back as PCB chairman, uh, you know, the door has opened for Mickey Arthur to come back into the fold and resume his role as a coach. Whether now he's a consulting coach or a full-time coach is yet to be seen. But, you know, with all these machinations going on in the background with Pakistan Cricket Board, and that, that's nothing unusual. This has gone on for years, and I think it'll go on for the foreseeable future as well. It's pretty much an expected part of cricket in the subcontinent, whether it's Sri Lanka or India or Nepal or Bangladesh, you know, we will see these things going on. But what is actually surprising, as Sandeep has mentioned, is that these things have not affected the stability of the team. And this is something we saw a few, like about 10, 15 years ago when Misbah was captain of the Pakistan team as well. Like there were things going on in the background, but the team stayed on as a unit and they had a good run two, three years where they performed really well, really consistently, both at home and overseas. I mean, admittedly at that point, home for Pakistan cricket was in the UAE. But still, you know, to sort of continue with the consistency, that similar sort of squad year after year, was nothing short of remarkable. And it might be that we might see something similar this time. I wouldn't actually be surprised if Pakistan make it to the final of the World Cup and then it's probably whosever game it is at that point. Yeah, I agree. I think Pakistan, along with Australia, I think at the moment, uh, they are the favourites for the finals. Although, you never know. But well, Yeah, you uh, never know. I mean, yeah. you know, England and India and maybe even South Africa could spin a spring a surprise. And mm -hmm. watching New Zealand recently, what they have been doing, um, they're not that far behind either. I mean, they have got a good core nucleus uh, at the moment. And as it is always the case with New Zealand, somebody puts their hand up and performs on the day that it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say the same, that we shouldn't be uh, 
counting out New Zealand. But it depends upon where you know the kind of pitches that they're going to be playing on as well. Uh, if they are like batting friendly pitches, they, they they'll have a very decent chance. Spin, I'm not so very sure. But and just going back to the you know Pakistan team, I think one thing that perhaps I don't know how much you know the focus has mostly been on Shaheen and Harris Rauf. But I think one thing that perhaps has been going unnoticed is that uh, Nasim Shah. He you know he, you cannot just. Uh, keep him out of the game so he is somebody who gives his 100% person with bowling batting wherever he's in the field and and with his bowling you know if even if you look at the india match i think shaheen obviously before the rain interruption shaheen was all over the place but then he came back and then he adjusted his lines and lengths but even before that before the interruption the way nasim started and and he just hits that channel regularly the fourth stump fifth stump channel and then tries to get one ball to nip back in i think there was one ball that the uh, uh, gill faced that came back in i still remember that so he you know makes sure that you know, the pressure is there all the time for shaheen and when haris comes back as well when comes as the first change as well to, for for them to operate he's not so been very lucky with the wickets but i think uh, uh, even at the, at the top when he opens the bowling he just continues to hit that length and his contributions should should, should be i think acknowledged more you know, when he perhaps goes just under the radar at times well nasim made his debut about 4 years ago versus australia in that test match and he was quick but he didn't know how to bowl and he didn't know how to bowl versus international standard batters for years he has learned a lot and you can see that change that transition in him now he's a much better bowler now and i think what's scary is he's only 20 years old if he is able to maintain his fitness levels remain injury free and bowl relatively as quick as he is still doing now i don't know how much better he will be in about 5 or 6 years time Yeah, I agree. I've been mean, over the last year. I've been noticing Nasim Shah, especially after that uh, World Cup final, T20 World Cup, where he bowled. I thought he bowled excellent in that uh, World Cup final. Um, uh, and with, with, without Shaheen Afridi getting injured, probably Pakistan would have had a better chance. But uh, since then, I think he has he has come in leap and bounds over the last one year. Uh, he has mm. much yep. more and much more control and much more. um forecast really uh, compared to how you used to be um, yeah so definitely something for the likes of umran malik to watch him and learn what are the improvements he has made because umran is quick but again mm-hmm. like nasim shah back then umran doesn't know yet how to bowl yeah you know he can bowl fast but he's yet to learn the art of bowling and how to build up that string of dots or how to focus on one particular spell at a time or how to plan your wickets and i suppose that will come with him getting good coaching or maybe having a good mentor for him and then mm-hmm. sort of putting those lessons into practice and planning it and giving himself a couple of years to show that incremental change yeah um sorry any last words on the 
squads for both the teams, India and Pakistan, because this is one rivalry that's not going to die off. No matter what the respective governments say and what the respective cricket boards say, cricket fans, especially India and Pakistan fans, want more India-Pakistan matches. And, you know, they want them to be in situations like these where there is a context, there's a trophy at stake. But I suppose we would also, we would love to see a bilateral India-Pakistan series, something with three test matches, perhaps three one days and three ODA, uh, T20s, who knows. Uh, personally, I wouldn't even mind five test matches and forget the white ball stuff altogether. I, I agree. I think I think a five test match series, it would be bigger than the Ashes, to be honest, if, if it is a regular one. Uh, uh, it had the potential to be uh, uh, to be the biggest rivalry ever, uh, which got uh, <laughs> sabotaged due to various other factors. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean the, the amount of advertising they do for the Ashes uh, that this is the biggest thing and all the stuff. But uh, I mean, if it, just imagine the population of India and Pakistan and how much how crazy they are for cricket, uh, both the countries and. You can milk money out of this uh, rivalry, like anything. And um, yeah, but see, that that's a good point because for all its wealth, BCCI does not know how to create wealth, how to market the sport, how to market their team, how to market their series. They have done nothing of that sort. They have just basically they they have landed in a position where. The domestic viewership market is worth 1.4 billion people, and we have got expatriates all around the world. So we are the biggest cricket market as such. Hence, we can command whatever we charge. Yeah. But it's not for you know them actually having created it. It's it's just there by default by virtue of sheer population numbers. Yeah. Um, Sakib did a very good podcast on rivalry. I think it was a few weeks ago, uh, uh, last month. Yeah, it was really good. And both Aftab and uh, Kandarp, who was the other guest that he had, they actually explored the facets of rivalry from a sociopolitical point of view, marketing point of view. What, what are the contexts that you need for a rivalry? You know, the fact that both teams need to be of equal standing as well because if one team's winning all the time nobody's really interested is it there has to be that give and take and there has to be the perpetuation of it all i mean you can't just sit on one world cup match every four years and you make a million squillion dollars out of it i mean the india pakistan games that were held in canada as well you know the sahara cup in toronto I actually enjoyed watching those because they were in conditions where there was something for the bowlers in that. You know, the likes of Ganguly and Debashish Mohanty, who could swing the ball a little bit, reaped rewards. And then there was something in there for the batsmen as well, if you just stuck around and played proper cricketing shots. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic. I actually looked forward to those five-game series every year. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same actually when you were talking about this, uh, you know, that from a fan's point of view, we would want bilateral series. And so I was thinking back, you know, uh, that we had three series, I think 96, 97, 98. And you mentioned the Ganguly, I think he was man of the series in the 97 series, and that 5 for 15, I think, is his best that yeah, came yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know who initiated that thing and why can't, because that was the time. When uh, it was the guy behind the Sahara group, Subroto, Roy, whatever. But I don't know who. So he, they were the main sponsors for that <laughs> series. I don't know who conceived the idea for it. Hmm. 
because because it, that was also the time when Pakistan and India weren't playing bilateral cricket. I think they were obviously, and it was pretty open at the time that they would meet each other like twenty times in other cups, Sharjah Cup or Australasia Cup or Coca Cola Cup, and then then there was this Sahara Cup that used to happen in September. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I was I was wondering if something of similar sort can happen, and you know, it would be a treat to watch for people like us. Yeah, no, but I think this was a good thing. You know, it's just like. Uh, how you had, uh, oh man, who was that guy behind the uh, Sharjah series as well? There was the Emirati guy who was Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman. Yeah, but who was the Pakistani chap behind it? Oh. Fellow with the glasses. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, there was a Pakistani player, former Pakistani player. Oh, Abdul Rahman. No, there was, the, there was this no, 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 no. Zahir Abbas? No, no, not Zahir Abbas. There's another guy with the glasses. You would see him at every game at Sharjah. So uh-huh. while Abdul Rahman Bukhatir was the financial, you know, not, not brainchild, but the sponsor of all those series, this guy was uh, the Pakistani fellow. He was the guy who actually brought the teams and was the liaison between the boards. And he started all those tri-series and quadrangular series in Sharjah. Uh-huh. So like that, somebody must have come up with, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone, um, you know, intermediated between PCB and mm-hmm. PCCI at that time to have something like that. And um, I, I, look, I think my, as far as my recollection goes, it was basically a TV company that initiated it. And given the timing of when that series started, it probably wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody behind ESPN at that time. So it could be Transworld International or somebody along those lines. So they would have initiated that. All right. I think in, in the late 90s or early 2000s, it was the, you know, ARY group that, who owned 10 sports, I think. They were yeah, that was well. that was much later. That was much later. Yeah. So that, that was that. No, but I think it would be really good for India and Pakistan to come together and, you know, play a bilateral series. And, you know, for political reasons, okay, don't play it in Pakistan, don't play it in India. Go play somewhere else. England's ready to host them. Australia is ready to host them. And if they held it somewhere in Canada, USA, Emirates, Oman, there are people who will go and watch. But I think in terms of organization, viewership, people who can actually attend the grounds, England's probably the better venue. Even Florida might host. I mean, they hosted India West Indies, so why not India, Pakistan? (laughs) Yeah, but their ticket prices are ridiculous. Ah, It's too much. I'm sure the, uh, the Indian uh, rich people from Florida, Indian people can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was recently MCG also um, said that they could host a debacle like T20 game that they witnessed and they would be more than happy to host a series. But obviously, it's the board. Yeah, that yeah. Have to there, are, there are many people who are interested in doing it, but the two boards need to sit down together and come up with some sort of agreement. Because, you know, it's in respective boards' financial interest. It's uh, in the interest of the players to get more competitive matches as well. Because lately what has happened is every time India and Pakistan meet up, you, we know that it's a predictable narrative at the beginning of the game. We know that Shaheen Shafridi is going to come along. He's going to bowl four overs in his first spell. He's going to get two wickets at least. Pretty much it'll be KL Rahul and Rohit Sharma. You, you're huh? being too harsh on them, I think. <laughs> on whom? On Rohit or Kale? <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> 
Oh, look, Rohit has his moments. Uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Rohit to begin with. You could see the talent that was there on display, but the application was missing. It was many years later that Rohit was able to combine that application with the talent that he had, and he became as good a batter as he is now. KL Rahul started off very well. It was very impressive, especially in T20s and in test matches. And then God knows what happened to him, and now he's just a shade of his former self. Yeah. I ha- I have nothing against players who are performing and being in the team, irrespective of what their age is. For me, it's all about putting that team ahead of personal interests and this ridiculous notion of seniority and incumbency in a team, right? You perform, you show that you have got runs under your belt or wickets when you're bowling, and you prove that you're worthy of that space in the squad. Yeah, I agree. I think Rohit, I mean, Rohit's fortunes have declined in the shorter format, to be honest. Uh, he's still a good test batter. I have nothing against his place in the test team. Uh, but uh, as for in the, the one-day side, I think Rohit plays much better when it's a tricky pitch. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else can even no. touch him. He's that good. Yeah. But then, just like Inzamam was so infuriating with his lazy shots, Rohit sometimes does the same thing. You know, he'll he'll pull two short balls, he'll hook them for sixes, like absolutely magnificent shots. And then on the third attempt, you know, probably be like a half-assed attempt that goes to mid-wicket or square leg. And that, that's what's really annoying about him. But, you know, and I think if you look at the team combination, you can perhaps accommodate two players like that in your 11 if you're playing one day. If you're playing a T20, you can only accommodate one player like that. Now, exactly. then it all boils down to, do you then choose, who, who do you choose out of Rohit, Kohli, and KL as those uh, two people? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. But, and I think it's going to be a make or break World Cup for them. He's on age, is, he's, is not on his side as well. I think he's 35, 36, so most likely that's hopefully 35, I think. So, with all, you know, if India, you know, doesn't do well, then again, you know, it's yeah, it, as BCCI says, it's up to these players to decide when to they want to retire. Right. <laughs> okay. which, which is right, right? The players can choose when they want to retire. Absolutely their sole prerogative. But then the cricket board and the selection panel also have a duty to make sure that they select the best possible 11 that gives them the best chances of winning a particular tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not, neither of the top three have played in the T20 since the last World Cup, but they're not ruled out their uh, selection in future. So that doesn't mean that they're not going to be back for the next year T20 World Cup. So yeah, uh, that's, that's how it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Um, any predictions for today's game apart from rain washing it out? <laughs> I, I think well, we're going to have a result because the weather looks all right for at least one inning and then we've got a reserve day as well. So I'm hoping that there'll be a result. I think 60-40 Pakistan. I'm not sure about you. I don't know. I, I think... Yeah, Sandeep, you go. I think, I think Pakistan favours the way they're playing. Uh, they're absolutely top-notch cricket they're playing at the moment. So, India, underprepared. That's all I can say. It's not that, that I'm not worried about the talent that is there. They're quite talented, but they're underprepared. And a lot of fitness issues, a lot of question marks. Uh, so, I think Pakistan are the favourites for the match. Uh, Pakistan definitely have the edge. 
But with these India-Pakistan games, you can never really say who'll do what. Now, you know, the Indian batting sort of struggled a little bit in that first game. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out all guns blazing this time and turn the tables only for them to sort of falter again in the final then. And when it comes to preparation, it's not just the preparation, but it's also the tactics sometimes they employ. You know, like leading up to major tournaments, they'll go with this positive mindset, aggressive intent, and then the tournament starts and they go back to their default conservative, defensive sort of position. Mm. Even with the selections, India is very conservative. I mean, despite all the talent that is available, they yeah. don't they don't experiment at all. They stick yeah. with the <laughs> you know, just today, I uh, looked up the squad for the Asia games that they're sending. Now, apart from Mukesh Kumar and maybe one other player, everybody in that squad is under 25. And I suspect that squad could give this team a tough fight. Hmm. I mean, they have like really good talent in that. They've got... Uh, Ruturaj Gaikwad, they've got Jaiswal, they've got Washington Sunda, they've got Tilak Varma, they've got Rinku Singh, um, they've got uh, Arshdeep Singh, they've got Ravi Bishnoi. Like, you know, th- these are not your obscure names. These are household names by virtue of not just the IPL, but they have even got good performances on the international arena. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of think that this is the sort of people you need in a young one-day or T20 side because you need fresh blood. You need those athletic fielders. You need that audacity of youth that, you know, isn't overawed by the opposition. Someone who can take that fight to them. I mean, that's what won them the T20 welcome back in 2007, isn't it? I mean, yeah, exactly. The mixture of youth and the audacity and no fear at all. That's what won them. So... Now, one point I would like to highlight, I think for me, the big difference between the 2011 World Cup winning side that India had and this one is the lack of top order batters who can bowl. So none of Rohit, Shubman, Kohli, Ayer, you know, they are known for their bowling, right? Whereas back then you had Tendulkar who could bowl, Sehwag who was more than handy with the ball, and then you had Yuvraj and Reina as well in the middle order. Yep. And, and that, you know, shows that that 2011 side was a much more balanced side than the current one. Yeah. I think we got those sort of players playing down the order now, like Akshar Patel and Shadow Tucker. So. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And see, it's fine if you have somebody from six till nine who can fit that role, who are reliable with the ball and can chip in with good runs as well. But you cannot do away with top quality five batters at the top. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hamza, your views on that? No, I I agree. Well, you mentioned 2011 side. I think that was the... Uh, after that, I've not seen that balanced Indian side for a while. Even in 2015, I think it, it, 2011 side was better uh, balanced, well balanced. I I wanted to uh, ask about Indian bowling. Actually, how confident are you with the bowling at the moment? Bumrah is coming back after an injury. Shami has been brought in. Uh, he's missed quite a lot of cricket. I think the only person who's played regular cricket was Siraj, but I think he was given rest recently as well. So I'm 
I'm, I'm, I mean, they, they've done very well in the last couple of years. But if you look at last six to eight months, I'm, I'm, I would be worried, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm not actually worried about India's bowling. This is very unusual for an Indian cricket fan to say. For years, we have lamented the lack of good quality bowling. And we have sort of complained that we lost a particular series because we didn't have proper bowlers. Now it's the other way around. Now India has got an actually good bowling attack, but the batting has, is not standing up to expectations. So, so there's no question over their ability. It's just the lack of preparation that I'm, I'm concerned about. Yeah, but then it goes back to that same joke, na, Team India and preparation. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so you know, it's the same thing, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't no. matter whether somebody is injured or not. You know, like some uh, like Chairman Saab has that uh, seat over there. Just because he had a open heart surgery and he's coming back doesn't mean that you know the young guy is going to continue his job, na. Chairman Saab will come back in the same job, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I I think I've got more faith in India's bowling compared to its batting. Um, I mean, Bumrah, of course, is back from an injury, so he's an unknown quantity at the moment. But Shami and Siraj have bowled consistently well. Um, and also uh, Ravindra Jadeja, we got a world-class spinner in him. Uh, so that that's good enough bowling lineup. But I mean, there, there is the worry about the fifth bowler, um, who it might be. But if the top four bowlers do well, then uh, I think we can probably um, escape with the uh, with with the fifth bowler. But yeah, I mean, as I said, it's the batting that's the worry because they're all unprepared. We don't know about their fitness, and uh, some of them are aging, and they're not uh, uh, what what they used to be. So that's that's that, yeah. That's and that. I think the worry about the batting then extends to the balance of the team because India yeah. will not just go with five bowlers, they will go with six bowlers, which means they'll have to accommodate two of those all-rounders, which will either you know, take away from a specialist bowler or it'll probably be at the expense of a specialist batter. Now, I, I watched Shami bowl in that Ireland series. He's basically back to what he was. And you know, he might be a little bit down in pace during some spells, but in terms of his sharpness, none of that is missing. Siraj is bowling just as well he is, and so is Shami. The thing with Shami is because he tends to attack the stumps more and he's got that skiddiness to him, there are times where he gets too straight and then he's whipped through the leg side and then he tries to compensate or overcorrect it by pitching it a little bit further. Now, that is not his natural length. And then he gives in gives it in that uh, hitting zone. And I think that that's when, you know, he go, gets a little bit expensive. Personally, I would prefer Shami to be bowling the earlier overs and then somewhere in the middle. I wouldn't trust him with death bowling because um, he, he just gets milked for runs. Mm -hmm. So those are three quick your seamers covered. Jadeja, you know how good he is, and he has only got better as he's gotten older. And uh, Akshar gives you an equal amount of control. He gives you that, uh, I won't say an attacking option, but you know he's got a good arm ball. And given how tall he is and from the angle at which he bowls, sometimes it gets very difficult to get him away. And I think this is where the pitches come into play. So even if there is a little bit of assistance for the spin bowlers, Jadeja and Akshar can become almost unplayable. Almost unplayable. 
And then I think for variety, as a third spinner, I might have Kuldeep as a left-arm wrist spinner in the side. Shardul is the only link in that bowling that I'm really worried about. But again, you know, there will be some games where he'll be handy. Maybe he gets that one wicket or two wickets that you need to break a particular partnership. And that, that can sometimes change the game. So, you know, these are dependent on small moments which you have very little control over in the grand scheme of things. But, uh, yeah, like uh, Sandeep said, I have more faith in India's bowling than I do in the batting. So you've mentioned Kuldeep. Uh, He's somebody that I'm, you know, worried about the most uh, from our point of view because we don't play like left-arm spinners very well. So I'm... (laughs) (laughs) He's left-arm unorthodox as well, so that's... <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. Right. And I think ever since he was dropped from the national side, he went away, he worked on his bowling, he added a little bit of pace, and now he's bowling better than he did the first time round. Yeah. I think he bowls. I mean, the matches he does bowl, he bowls very well, and then he gets dropped for some reason, so... Uh, well, the reason to be dropped is because he's not high in that pecking order. You know, when, when you have somebody like Jareja, true. you're not going to be automatically selected if it's if the team only needs one spinner. Because mm-hmm. Jareja not only gives you the control with the ball, he can get you the wickets as long as there's a little bit of rough and assistance. And he he does so well in the field and he gives you... Pretty much a guaranteed 35, 40 runs every innings now. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's 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 a tough, tough choice. You know, I think uh, BCCI should put forward a petition that they can field two teams. <laughs> oh, no, look, if they can get a reserve day specifically for one match, I'm sure they can do this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of but, them will definitely make it. <laughs> Yeah, one of the yeah. <laughs> which I think will be the younger, inexperienced side. Yeah, true. <laughs> They'll probably make it. Hmm. Anyway, any closing statements? I think it's about forty-five minutes now before the match starts. Yeah. So I assume you guys are going to watch it on TV. Uh, I don't have any uh, Asia Cup <laughs> telecast live on here, so I don't know what Hamza is doing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch. watch so, it. Who, who's broadcasting it in the UK? Is it BT Sport? I think it's, yes, TNT. Yeah, maybe. yeah, TNT, that's right. I don't yeah, have that. Okay. Because so. I think it's uh, Fox over here in Australia who's doing it. And because I'm not at home, uh, I don't have a Fox connection. So, unless I subscribe to K or something, you know, I probably won't get access to it. So I might have to just stick with the highlights package on YouTube. And that's a good thing that the Asian Cricket Council is doing, that every single game, they create this highlights package and they put it up on YouTube. Mm. It's it's a really good way to increase the reach, like audience reach, especially uh, non-local audiences. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your time and for this uh, lovely discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope uh, you guys. No, our pleasure for having you over. And I suppose we can catch up again before the World Cup for a quick prediction session. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's fine. So my aim is to get the largest panel ever possible on the podcast to just do predictions. 
Well, that sounds amazing. That should be fun, huh? <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> All right. All right, good. Well, have a good day to you guys. Happy yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Right, enjoy. You. And, you. Uh, you know, let's hope rain, rain doesn't play spoil sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning back in again. Um, we had been on a hiatus for six weeks, but hopefully we'll get more regular episodes now that, uh, you know, both Sandeep and I are back. All right, see you guys. See you. Bye. See you. All right. Bye. See you. Take care. Bye. Oh, uh-huh.